You're listening to the N2K Space Network. Don't struggle to align your organization's cybersecurity with business risk. Get the only solution that goes beyond reacting to threats with vulnerability and risk monitoring. You need the next evolution of MDR, and only Critical Start delivers it. Critical Start doesn't just monitor and respond to threats. They put you in control by detecting suspicious activities, quickly responding to contained threats, and identifying your most critical assets and protecting them against vulnerabilities and exposures. With continuous visibility, expert guidance, and measurable risk reduction, Critical Start has redefined what it means to manage cyber risk. Demonstrate provable security maturity to your leadership while positioning your program to achieve the greatest risk reduction per dollar spent. Stop fearing risk and start managing it with Critical Start. Visit criticalstart.com and request a demo today. That's criticalstart.com. Not to be too cheesy, but talk about going above and beyond. Many satellites put into orbit for purposes like Earth observation literal decades ago are still working away. And that's built to last. That's return on investment. That's way, way over time. Meanwhile, many newer satellites, just a few years old, are already so out of date that they're in need of swapping out. Ah, the duality of satellite tech. Today is October 18th, 2023. I'm Maria Varmazis, and this is T Minus. Canada is putting big money on its next generation of Earth observation satellites. Two payloads aboard the Vega VV23 fail to deploy. India says there's nothing like a deadline to get a crew on the moon. And T-Minus is heading to Ascend in Las Vegas next week. So all this week, we're featuring speakers from the event. And our guest today is Nicolo Boschetti, talking about his research on cybersecurity in space. You'll want to stick around for that one. On to our Intel briefing for today. The Canadian government is making satellite Earth observation a priority and putting its money where its mouth is, to the tune of $1.012 billion. Canadian, of course. These funds will support a program that the Canadian government is terming RadarSat Plus, meant to ensure the continuous access to EO satellite data to all the federal organizations that rely on it. RadarSat Plus will help design and develop a replacement satellite for the existing RadarSat Constellation Mission, or RCM, and design the next-generation satellite system to replace what's currently in use. This is how fast things are moving in satellite tech. The RCM was launched in 2019 with a planned seven-year mission duration. The RCM is a constellation of three identical synthetic aperture radar, or SAR, satellites. 
Starting in 2020, the government of Canada and the Canadian Space Agency started looking into the RCM successor through the Earth Observation Service Continuity Initiative, with RFPs going out late last year. According to information collected by the European Spaceflight website, two of the payloads transported to orbit on the October 9th Vega VV-23 flight have failed to deploy. The CubeSat payloads were among 12 carried to orbit aboard the Ariane Space-managed Vega VV-23 flight. According to reports, it was likely that the CubeSats burned up in the atmosphere still attached to the rocket's upper stage. Ariane Space told European Space Flight that the EST Cube 2 and Answer Leader CubeSats likely failed to separate from their respective deployers. All other payloads are said to be performing nominally. Three German space companies, Rocket Factory Augsburg, Yuri, and Atmos Space Cargo, have announced a new partnership. The companies are planning to launch a joint end-to-end service called AVA for microgravity life science research and in-orbit product development. The companies believe that AVA will offer a flexible alternative to the International Space Station as a platform for microgravity research. Rocket Factory Augsburg will be responsible for the launch service, including the launch system, infrastructure, outbound logistics, and operational launch campaign. They will be delivering Atmos Space Cargo's Phoenix capsule with Yuri's Science Taxi to a precise target orbit. Launch campaigns are planned to be carried out from Saxevoort Spaceport in Scotland, UK. The UK Space Agency has announced a new program to help businesses unlock the benefits of satellite data and services. UKSA says global satellite services currently support activity that contribute £370 billion to the UK economy, which is around 17.7% of the nation's GDP. Unlocking Space for Business is an 18-month program designed to bring untapped benefits from satellites to hundreds of new organizations across the UK. More information can be found through the link in our show notes. Portuguese space traffic management company Neurospace has partnered with Belgium star tracking company ArcSec to develop a novel way to detect space debris. The companies are aiming to track smaller objects in space and improve orbit calculations. As part of the partnership, Neurospace will use data from ArcSec star trackers to enhance its space traffic management system using AI to generate precise data for risk assessment. India continues to be buoyed by its latest space accomplishments. The country's Prime Minister Narendra Modi has directed India's space agency to aim for a crewed mission to the moon by 2040. Modi directed the India Space Research Organization to establish an India space station by 2035. The Prime Minister called for the development of a roadmap for future moon missions, the construction of a new launch pad, and the setting up of human-centric laboratories. ISRO's first test flight for India's first human spaceflight, Gaganyan, is scheduled for later this week. The mission aims to demonstrate the country's ability to send crewed space missions. On to some U.S. military contract announcements now. AFWorks, a technology directorate of the Air Force Research Laboratory and the innovation arm of the Department of the Air Force, has selected Dante for a $1.2 million direct-to-phase-2 contract. The contract focuses on AI-powered geospatial and broader data search, 
for the Space Force to address the most pressing challenges in the Department of the Air Force. Dante states that it is the first Earth data search engine to enable expert and non-expert users to pose simple questions about physical places on our planet to access information generated daily by satellites, drones, analytics firms, social media, and more. And SpaceWorks, the innovation arm of the U.S. Space Force and part of AFWorks, has selected scientific systems for a 1.5 million sitter Phase II contract. The contract is part of the SpaceWorks Orbital Prime program. Scientific Solutions says it's U.S. Riptide, which stands for Unknown Satellite Real-Time Inspection Pose Tracking and Identification, focuses on enabling in-space service assembly and manufacturing capabilities. Both the Department of the Air Force and United States Space Force are exploring the technology through the Orbital Prime program. The United States Space Force Enterprise has issued a request for information seeking advanced persistent cyber defenses against nation-state threats to operations. The Space Force is looking for a multi-pronged, long-term strategy involving a common ground architecture providing centralized management and control of satellite operations through enterprise ground services. And if you're interested in learning more, we've included the full RFI in our show notes. And defense technology company Hawkeye 360 has closed the second and final of the company's Series D1 funding round with an additional $10 million, bringing the total Series D1 to $68 million. Investors for the second close included Lockheed Martin Ventures, which is the venture arm of Lockheed Martin Corporation. Hawkeye 360 and Lockheed Martin have also signed a strategic cooperative agreement to further the development of end-to-end remote sensing solutions for government and commercial customers, with a particular focus on delivering radio frequency intelligence systems globally. That concludes our roundup of today's briefing. We've included a few extra stories on the selected reading section of our show notes on the latest Space ISAC conference and three on new space startups from the U.S., India, and Singapore. Links can also be found at space.n2k.com and just click on this episode for more. Hey, T-Minus crew. If you find this podcast useful, please do us a favor and share a five-star rating and a short review in your favorite podcast app. It'll help other space professionals like you to find the show and join the T-Minus crew. Thank you so much for your support. We all really appreciate it. And now a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI.
T-minus producers Brandon Karpf and Alice Carruth are heading to Ascend in Las Vegas next week. So all week this week, we're featuring speakers from the event. And our guest today is Niccolo Boschetti, who will be speaking about cybersecurity in space at Ascend. And I started off by asking him about ground stations as a service and what risks are involved in that. When the space activity started, like uh, very few people were uh, launching satellites. And uh, when you launch a satellite, you need uh, the space uh, vehicle and an antennas to communicate uh, with it. Now, in 2023, we still need to communicate with our satellites. Uh, physics uh, is always the same. So we need radio waves or optics. The problem is that right now there are a lot of satellites and uh, space is much more democratic. Many people can send uh, satellites in space without having to build a ground station and an antenna. And this was made possible by the market by the creation of ground station as a service. Basically, companies that build and run ground station networks all over the globe and sell channel room or like bandwidth to external customers to communicate with their birds, downlink the data, uplink updates or commands, and then like receive those information from the satellite. This is more or less a ground station as a service in a nutshell. And so when one outsources such an important part of your operations to another, there are inherent risks there. I'm being very general on purpose. <laughs> well, I'd rather hear from you really. What, what in, in, in your research on ground station as a service, um, from a security point of view, what have, what have you seen? What have you noticed? Any trends or any, anything you wanted to review there? So, like, uh, there are different uh, typologies of ground station as a service. Uh, very briefly, there are uh, the oldest style, we could uh, call them, like, uh, basically, they are a band pipe architecture. Satellite communicates with an antenna, the antenna demodulates and decrypts uh, the data and sends them to the customer. That is uh, the easiest way to have a ground station as a service and has been uh, around for several years now. Now, with the cloud computing, uh, cloud tools, uh, AI, the ground station as a service sector is uh, virtualizing. Customers uh, can outsource uh, to these companies more and more uh, components of their operations uh, with the satellite and with the data that the satellite is uh, producing. And of course, uh, when you start to put uh, more and more uh, services in a single uh, bucket, the, the risks uh, can be higher because uh, it become uh, easier for an attacker to understand uh, where uh, the data are, where uh, it's possible to create uh, a denial of service. But at the same time, of course, uh, since we are talking about uh, cybersecurity, the more complex is the system, uh, also the company is putting more uh, security measures in service, in, in place. So like uh, the point is uh, that the ground station as a service is becoming more and more uh, crucial for uh, the operations uh, and is becoming uh, a more interesting target uh, for cyber attackers. Let's say that. Now, I, I know sometimes when we talk about um, as a service, there a lot of the advice about how to make the as a service part of things is usually for the provider. But if you are a customer of something like Ground Station as a service, is there something that you can do to help make your instance, I suppose, more resilient. And maybe, maybe the advice for resiliency is more for the provider, but 
I'm curious what what your advice is in in, in this in this arena for for protecting from attack. Well, I believe that like uh, most of the job uh, must be done by the provider. The user should know the basics of uh, cybersecurity, and it, especially if you are dealing with the sensitive data. Sometimes uh, in some networks, uh, the user can be anyone, and so data and uh, encryption keys or like uh, credential to enter into a network could be stored in a computer that has uh, zero security measures in place uh, or like we see in cybersecurity in general, but also in space uh, that like uh, uh, all the social engineering attacks uh, are not very complex. Like they, they play with the psychology and the mind of uh, the, the victims. So like uh, I think that from a user point of view, there should be not a lot, but at least a bit of knowledge of the basics of what's going on. Yeah, I would imagine for a, a user, again, if you're going with maybe a big, very established player, I won't name names, you may assume a level of security competency, and that is probably a, a safer bet. But if you're going with maybe a smaller player, is there something that maybe you should be looking for when selecting such a provider to say, okay, I actually think that I have a better chance of this provider taking security more more seriously? Usually, providers uh, show you like uh, a blueprint of their architecture. Like if you have a bit uh, of a knowledge of what you are purchasing, you can understand the complexity and uh, how modern or like secure is designed that architecture. On the other hand, uh, thankfully, we don't have enough of them, but in the space sector, we have several standards. There are IEEE standards, ISO standards, ECSDS, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, if a provider is compliant with some cybersecurity or security in general standards, that could be a good first indicator of at least knowledge of what could happen and what can be done. Why don't you walk me through a little bit, uh, maybe the, the really high level on your research on hybrid space architecture, maybe introduce what that concept is, and then tell me a little bit about what you found. The, the last bit uh, of uh, my research in uh, Ground Station and Ground Station as a service is uh, trying to understand what could make an hybrid space architecture secure from a cyber and electronic point of view. Hybrid space architecture is like a new iteration uh, of uh, a sort of old concept that uh, is a hybrid satellite network, basically integrating together different nodes of a network that are spread among the different segments. You have a satellite that gets information from a ground station and delivers information to end users. Basically, any time that you see, you watch television on TV, uh, on satellite, satellite television, that is an hybrid satellite network. We say that, that we have a lot of satellites in space right now. And uh, a part of this phenomenon uh, is the fact that uh, commercial providers are the biggest players in space right now. It's not like uh, 30 years ago, well, nation states were the big players. Uh, and uh, this has led uh, many countries uh, and many armies to outsource uh, intelligence services, uh, Earth observation services, uh, and many other activities uh, that are interesting for the military and the intelligence community to private companies. Right now, the U.S. Army or several NATO armies are acquiring space services from commercial providers. Again, like the Ukrainian army with Biosat is the same thing. 
Right now, several of the services are passing through Ground Station as a service because not only the space segment is outsourced. Recently, the DoD Defense Innovation Unit has started working towards an hybrid space architecture. So like a way to better integrate, especially for security and time, time of delivery of the information, so age of information, all these data that are coming from different providers and different, uh, different providers in space and different providers on the ground. The last bit of my research that uh, got material from uh, my previous steps uh, of research has been like trying to put together all the designs and reference architectures of ground station as a service, uh, trying to imagine in a real case scenario, the European Ig North and the Arctic, how different providers could integrate themselves from a, an architectural point of view, and uh, we we found that probably the best solution to have a secure hybrid space architecture is the heterogeneity of the architectures that are being integrated. Because, uh, as I said before, if you put uh, a lot of eggs in the basket, uh, you need uh, to make uh, secure that basket, but also if someone uh, tries to steal it or to break it, you have to find a way to move the eggs uh, in a safer place. The heterogeneity gives you this, uh, reduces the single points of failure and makes possible to route the data to the end user towards a path that maybe hasn't been uh, attacked by uh, an adversary. That is uh, very important in our, in our opinion for an hybrid space architect. It's sort of in introducing uh, complexity, but not in a bad way, like in a good way to make it harder for the attacker. I wanted to make sure I asked you about the uh, IEEE Standards Association and the work that you're doing there. I understand this is sort of a recent thing. So can you tell me a little bit about that? In uh, June uh, of this year, so June 2023, we presented a working group in the IEEE Standards Association for the creation of a Space Cybersecurity International Technical Standard and uh, is uh, an effort to... Again, I was talking about the standards before. The community with the technical guidance on how to design and build secure by design space missions. Because uh, right now we are uh, living in a, with the legacy technologies that are integrated with the new technologies. And we have still satellites that are 30 years old, still working. And uh, from a cybersecurity point of view, this can be a problem putting together like experts uh, from uh, the industry, the academia, the also governments uh, like uh, space agencies, et cetera, et cetera, from all over the world. We are trying uh, for each segment of a space mission with, to come up uh, with an analysis of what is in place today. Okay, it's working, but it could be better. And how to redesign in a secure way. This will be the standard is a technical standard, so like it will provide guidance. And uh, as I said, now we are almost 150 experts from all over the world, uh, divided in subgroups, one for space, one for link, one for ground, user, and the integration layer. We go back to the integration of different nodes in a secure way. And uh, the, the, the standard effort is open to everyone that has expertise and interest in joining and providing its, their expertise towards the writing of the standard.
We'll be right back. And now a word from our sponsor, Netscope. Netscope is a worldwide leader in SASE and Zero Trust. Its unified platform, Netscope One, provides optimized access and zero trust security for people, devices, and data anywhere they go, helping customers reduce risk, accelerate performance, and get unrivaled visibility into any cloud, web, and private application activity. To learn more about how Netscope helps customers be ready for anything on their sassy journey, visit netskope.com. Welcome back. And staying with today's cybersecurity theme, the Mission Control TTX Hackathon, presented by the Space Generation Advisory Council and powered by the collective expertise of the AIAA Aerospace Cybersecurity Working Group, Space ISAC, Cornell Aerospace Adversary Lab, and Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University, is taking place this Saturday, October 21st. Participants will embark on a journey as decision-makers— tasked with detecting, diagnosing, and responding to a simulated cyber attack on space infrastructure. This mission calls for a blend of skills in cybersecurity, space engineering, policy, law, and more. Participants can compete as individuals or independent teams, with each participant having the opportunity to work directly on a real-world use case provided by the organizing groups. Winners will be showcased at next week's Ascend Conference in Las Vegas. More details and registration can be found by following the link in our show notes. That's it for T-minus for October 18th, 2023. For additional resources from today's report, check out our show notes at space.n2k.com. We'd love to know what you think of this podcast. You can email us at space at n2k.com or submit the survey in the show notes. Your feedback ensures that we deliver the information that keeps you a step ahead in the rapidly changing space industry. N2K Strategic Workforce Intelligence optimizes the value of your biggest investment, your people. We make you smarter about your team while making your team smarter. This episode was produced by Alice Carruth. Mixing by Elliot Peltzman and Trey Hester with original music and sound design by Elliot Peltzman. Our executive producer is Brandon Karpf. Our chief intelligence officer is Eric Tillman. And I'm Maria Varmazis. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.